Middle of January, sitting by the pool on my day off. It's a beautiful day. I've never seen so many sunny days as I have since I've come here. Gráinne's in a place she could only have dreamed about, working in the hospital back in Galway. She's working as a theatre nurse in Saudi Arabia. I work shifts, and so there's sometimes I can sit here during the week and it's very quiet, very still. She lives in a closed-in compound just for Westerners. There's a few pools here. It's a beautiful spa, gym, badminton courts, tennis courts. I couldn't want for anything really here in this, what we would call sometimes as a, the biggest open prison in the Middle East. Gráinne's recording herself on her mobile phone. It's all part of a sort of an experiment in which she dabbled with the idea of recording a radio documentary when she was in Saudi Arabia. We're stopped at traffic lights here and uh, I've been seeing a few women in full burqa stopping the cars at the traffic lights looking for money, begging for money. They're women who have been left without any male members in their family. They're all gone and they cannot survive. However, her phone soon became a way of recording her own thoughts too. I'm just very lonely. I'm very alone. I know I should be fortunate and grateful. I've got a job and I've got my health and stuff like that. And I found it very therapeutic because everything that I was sort of dreaming for was unravelling at the same time. Gráinne is from Tralee and she's been a nurse since the 1980s and her Saudi adventure began in 2012. By then she was living in Mayo and commuting to Galway and getting rightly fed up. The work was getting harder, the taxes were getting higher but the costs weren't getting any lower. So I just sat down one day with Philip and I said, look, you know, I love it here, but I'm broke. So I just contacted an agency and they said, when can you start? And I suppose I had his blessing as well. I actively encouraged Granny to go to Saudi and she'll tell you that. And I effectively pushed her out the door and kicked her onto the aeroplane. Granny's partner, Philip, who stayed behind in their rented house in Mayo. I did think at the time it was the right thing for her to do because of the problems she was having at work. And I thought the change would do her the world of good. So Gráinne decided to take a career break from the nursing job in Galway, leave Philip and the house in Mayo and head off to the Middle East. And it was very, very emotional saying goodbye at the airport. Gráinne and Philip are both in their 50s and at the end of 2012 had been only together for a few years. And I I really fretted about that because uh, my sister and her friends sat me down in the kitchen in their place in Dublin and said, don't go to the Middle East. If you're with somebody, the relationship won't survive. You need to stay because men, he won't like you going. And if he's there on his own and you're not there, it's not going to work. They were really emphatic about that. And I said, we've made this decision the two of us, and I've got his blessing to go. Like, the country's full of women whose husbands are working away. That's right, yeah. So do they think it's different if a man is left behind? Or Yeah, and I met a lot of married women out there, and their men were at home. Now, a lot of them broke down, 
but the married men or the single men who were in relationships who came out to Saudi Arabia, their marriages and their relationships were 100% firm. And is it that the women at home are able to form relationships at home with other people that keeps them from being lonely? Whereas no. the men are, easy, are better able to be off on their own? No, it was because the man was away putting the bread on the table for them at home. It's as basic as that. Grania arrived in Saudi Arabia in September 2012. At Riyadh International Airport, coming in. The absolute anxiety that I had coming through the airport, I was on my own, and seeing all these people dressed in black or white, and seeing the military presence at the airport. The immigration guy, he looked very sort of stern, but he sort of smiled at me. He said, you're Irish? And I said, yes. Oh, we love the Irish. And had this huge beam on his face that I just felt a little bit better. Oh, you are very welcome to our country. And he said, what are you going to be here? And I said, I'm going to be a nurse. Oh, Mumarida. Oh, mashallah. And he started calling his other friends in the office out to meet me. And they all greeted me. And it was lovely. Before they met each other, both Grania and Philip had been previously married. Do a big show on tonight now, I think. When Grania was married, she lived here in Cork. All right, bye. <laughs> and has fond memories of the city. I miss the sort of the Saturday afternoons that I would be on the arm of my husband. You know, walking down Grand Parade in Cork, you know, that was the only time I was able to get his attention probably for an hour or two because he had a business, you know, in, in Cork and uh, he was taken up with that seven days a week. But I used to look forward to the Saturday afternoons because I felt like that I was complete, you know, with, with him by my side, or I at his side, and felt nice being married, that somebody married me and that I was somebody's wife. I stayed in Cork for about 10 years. The marriage ended just due to different things, really, um, amicably, which was good. We're still friends. No children, unfortunately, which we did try and went through all the IVF and everything. But uh, sadly, it didn't happen. Philip does have children, two grown-up sons. And during his marriage, he moved around British military bases all over the world. When Grania's marriage ended, she left Cork and moved to Galway. When Philip's marriage ended, he stayed put on a military base in England. I'd been divorced a few years by then. I'd been on my own for... Five years at least by then. I had occasional relationships on and off, nothing special. And that was it. I, I, to be truthful, I never expected to find anybody else again. I never expected to live with anybody again at all. Because of my age, I was the oldest guy living in the mess. And everybody else was half my age. So I was sort of like dad to everybody. <laughs> so there was never any chance I was going to meet anybody for a relationship in that environment. So my only option was really was looking at internet dating. 
I don't say it often to too many people, but after my marriage broke up, I just felt very lonely and I just thought there must be other people going through what I'm going through, you know, even just to talk to somebody who has been through a divorce. I don't want to meet anybody, but I just want to just talk to somebody just to exchange stories and just see that what I'm going through is normal or not. So I joined this some agency, whatever, and he popped up straight away. And we started off emailing each other and then we'd Skype each other. We exchanged phone numbers after many, many months of talking because I was sort of still wary, really. And I said to her I was coming over to Ireland to stay with my friends for, for the Christmas break. And we arranged to meet on the 28th of December. And we just went to the King's Head in Galway. He was dreading it and so was I. And we were there a fair old time. And it was non-stop talking. Families, life, aspirations, hopes. And he was a good listener. I listened to him. He told me all about his life. He was articulate. He was very articulate. And I liked that. And he also had a great sense of humour, very dry sense of humour. And I enjoyed that as well. He made me laugh. You know, you go through life and you don't, you try not to build your hopes up too much, too many aspirations or anything. But Gronje came across as a very nice lady. I suppose he had a bit of a mystery about him as well. He wasn't in my face and he wasn't showing too much interest in being sloppy and over-expressive. I didn't want any of that. We just hit it off. And we hit it off from then on. Thank you. Yeah, lovely day again today yeah. for hitting golf balls. <laughs> Throughout 2013 in Saudi Arabia, things seem to be going pretty well for Grania. Just had my golf lesson. Just sitting out now, outside, looking out over the green. A rare sight to behold in Riyadh. All we see is desert. Sipping my tea. Grony and Philip obviously have things in common about themselves, although not necessarily the kind of thing you might imagine. I'm now doing my cross-stitch. It's very enjoyable, very relaxing. While Grony is doing cross-stitching by the pool in Saudi Arabia, Philip opens up a press to reveal that he has a cross-stitch sampler too. Yeah, I've always used sewing machines all my life. Why? It's part of my job. It's part of my job. I used to um, repair parachutes. In the, when I was in the Air Force. Um, and then uh, before I joined the Air Force, I was a sailmaker. I was a young 16-year-old kid. I used to make sails. Right. And tarpaulins for the back of lorries and stuff like that. But then during the Air Force, you had to repair the parachutes and harnesses, and that was all part of your job. So I've always used sewing machines. I made my ex-wife's maternity clothes on the sewing machine because it was skint and couldn't afford anything. So that was the way to do it, was make your own clothes. Can you describe it? It's wildflowers. When, when it's finished, it'll be about four foot long and about two foot wide, two and a half foot wide. But that's what I do to pass my time in the evenings and daytimes when the weather's bad as well. For a big, roughy, tufty chap, it's not the sort of normal thing you'd associate, is it? No. It's good. It's, it just takes your mind off of life. Uh, you switch off for a couple of hours. 
Yeah. Is it that you're spending so much time on your own or that life is stressful? Um, no, no, it's not stressful so much. It's on time on my own more than anything. While Philip was living on his own in the quiet Mayo countryside, Grania was living in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, a city of six million people. Hiya. And she was continuing to record her life there on her phone. Here we are, just outside Lulu now and Bata Souk, which is at the back of it. Hi, thank you. You got to haggle, and that is for everything. You get good at it after a while, but initially I was a bit shy about doing it. This is, we have something special silk, 150. <clears throat> yeah, well, my budget is only 100, you know, 100. maybe okay, so. This is okay. So I will send my friends to you as well, because you've been very good. Yeah. Very good businessman. Okay. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? Yeah, yeah. The dogs are still barking away, so... Grania and Philip met using the internet and they use the internet to maintain their relationship while she's in Saudi Arabia. But not everyone supports the idea of the relationship. I to come in and have my cup of tea inside. My mother would often make uh, comments to me saying, well, you know, he's very old looking or whatever. And she met him online and that's not a proper relationship. If you met him online, you know, can you not meet anybody at all properly? You know, what's wrong with you? So it was all very negative. It was all very denigratory. You know, that's what you're reducing yourself to now is meeting somebody on the Internet. What? Six dogs in one little villa isn't very clever, though, is and, it? And I, I gathered from a conversation the other day that another dog was... When they first started going out, Grania visited Philip on the military base in England and he met her in Galway while over-visiting his friends in Mayo. I then got offered early retirement and I jumped at the chance. Leaving the job on the base meant leaving the accommodation there. So now Philip was looking for a new place to live. The house next door to some friends of ours was, was available. It was just outside Ballyharness in Mayo and coincidentally the lease was up in the place Grania was living in in Galway. It was July 2010, 18 months since they started going out together. So he said, well, why don't we try and make a go of it in Mayo? And I said, oh my God. So I said, OK, I'll have a bit of faith. I won't be negative. And if we can do it together, I'm crazy. You're crazy, Grania, but, you know, OK, we'll do it. Anything's possible if you've got somebody else. It was a most wonderful view out the back. We had the garden to sort out. We had the house to decorate and furnish and paint and floors to put down. We put topsoil all along the land because there was about an acre of land and we wanted to grow our own vegetables and our own food. And then there was the bees and the polytunnel and the pigs. It just consolidated our relationship, I think, really having the pigs. We were doing this together. Philip put up a weather station at the back of the house and set up a website streaming information about the local Mayo weather. And I used to love the weather, following the weather patterns when I was a child. And I remember writing to Brendan McWilliams in RTE and I used to get all the old weather maps from Valencia Observatory and I would go down and visit the Valencia Observatory. So I felt when he did this website... I was coming home again. So it was another layer of home for me. We lived the good life. 
Really? I could just see my life there. I could see myself growing old there. It was just wonderful. How are you? Hi, Steve. Then, before Grania left for Saudi Arabia, she and Philip made some decisions about the place in Mayo. They stopped planting and they got rid of the animals. My neighbour didn't want to do the pigs anymore because he'd got enough pork in his freezer to last him a lifetime, it's understandable. So, instead of animals and plants, they decided to save to go to southern Spain together. That bed drops down, you've got two there. And they bought a camper van. In there, double there. And this area converts to a, a three-quarter double. And you can squeeze two in it. How old is the van? Uh, 1993. There's a kind of a romance about it, though, isn't there? Oh, there is. There is a romance to it. And, and a lot of people swear by the lifestyle, and I can understand why. Head off to Spain for the rest of the winter and sit in 20 degrees, and it'll be a different story altogether. I asked him, Could you get it seen to by the AA, you know, before you buy it? Because we have a lot of money ploughed into this. And he wouldn't. He brought the neighbour instead, thought that was adequate enough. For Philip, Gronya going to Saudi Arabia had several benefits as well as getting away from the job in the hospital in Galway and the chance to earn some money, he felt it would give them, as a couple, a break. The, the biggest thing, I, I think, was Gronya's commitment to her career and her job and her family, particularly mum and dad. She loves her mum and dad and, and she probably won't thank me kindly for saying it. I think her mother treats her abysmally. She really does. But Gronya would give the skin off her back to help anybody. She really would. She'd, she'd drop anything and everything to go and help the family. She'd go to work five days a week and then straight after work on a Friday, she'd pack the car up and go drive straight down to Kerry again and then wouldn't come back until Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, ready to go back to work on Monday. I think she was being pulled always, so her parents were pulling her. To, and they, they, I think... Her parents sort of struggled to come to terms with the fact that she'd found somebody else she could be happy with. Uh, just at the locker now. Uh, not a morning person at all. Didn't sleep very well last night either. Very tight squeeze. A uh, bit of a rush to get on duty. Grania's contracted to work for two years in Saudi Arabia. And while it's helping to pay the bills, it's not helping her relationship with Philip. By early 2014, a year and a half into her time there, it's obvious that the FaceTime calls are not going well. Um, you heard from the family at all? No, no. no. I, I, if I was going to hear from them, it would be at the weekend. Saturday or Sunday, but I, I phoned them for my mother yesterday, yeah. being a Sunday, so I thought, well... Well, tonight's conversation on the FaceTime didn't go so well. Bit of an argument with um, my loved one. Um, words were said and just gets blown out of proportion. Oh, stupid little things don't normally have arguments. We try and sort of keep it all very comfortable and uh, very amicable and very affectionate if we can because there's 3,000 miles between us and I just don't want to fight really. And uh, when I try and sort of 
skirt around things if things get a little bit tense. Blink, sod it, I'm off, I'm not listening to this crap. And, and that was the truth, that's what happened. Walk away from it. Well, I suppose a little bit tense now between us. I've just been away from home now, 18 months, and feeling a little bit homesick. Um, and you can't have a relationship based on a 10-minute window every day. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It's difficult trying to keep a brave face on things, really, and just to try and keep smiling. I feel a little bit down at the moment. Just got to keep on going, uh, but it's not easy. Prayer call in the morning now. Uh, it's five o'clock. Uh, time to get up. Uh, the whole working day is, is governed by the five prayers of the day. So we're awake for this one. This is our morning call. Quarter to six in the morning, just getting the bus. It's uh, the first day of Ramadan. And uh, I've got the bottles of water still in the bag, but covered. Uh, not seen to be drinking or eating at all during the day. In front of, well, certainly in front of people, it just, the locals, it just winds them up because they're fasting. Uh, businesses are sort of... Uh, exchanged from day to night so like I've got the dentist to nine o'clock tomorrow night we're here in their country it's the home of Islam I like Islam I like the concept of it I like the the whole spirituality of it and we had one woman in the labour and delivery ward and she was very upset postpartum after the baby was born and normally they're they're sort of all out of it. But this woman had a, a, a genuine psychotic episode and we couldn't contain her. We couldn't stop the screaming. She was screaming and screaming and screaming, pr protracted for on and off for hours, you know. So we brought her husband in and the husbands are not, they, they're, no, they're only allowed in for a few minutes because there might be other women inside the cubicles. But we got the other woman, women out and we got him to come in and he started chanting over her. And it was wonderful listening to this chanting. It was almost like mesmerising. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. They calmed her down and she stopped. It was lovely. And almost we, I came, came to peace as well. It was really, I don't know what he was saying, but it was the chanting and it was lovely. Really lovely. No matter how fascinating life is in Saudi Arabia, Grania's mind has still been drawn back to Ireland. Her two elderly parents in Tralee are ill and they need help. And in Mayo, Philip is unhappy. Just off the phone from talking to Phil, he's on his way over to England. He wants a job and he's been sort of waiting at home really for me and uh, really very bored now really and even though... He's trying to keep himself busy and stuff like that, but uh, he said he just missed the the human contact and missed earning a few bob. So he's decided, with my blessing, obviously, um, to go and look for a job, and good for him. For me, leaving the military was 
giving up my life because that's all I'd ever known. My dad was in the Air Force, so I grew up with the Air Force. Um, I joined the Air Force at 16. And much of your life is looked after in the military? In the military world, most of it, if not all of it. Um, you have your own GP, you can invariably get to see a doctor the same day if you need to. Your uniform's provided and your housing's provided. If you're living in the mess, you've got three meals a day provided. I had a, somebody come in and make my bed for me if that's what I wanted to do. They would clean the toilets, the bathroom and all the rest of it. Leaving all that behind was, has been a monumental wrench um, because it's all I've ever known. I can't lie in bed after half past six in the morning now it's because I've always got up at six o'clock. When I was in uniform, he was always up at six, ready to go to work and everything else. All the time you've got something to do, you can deal with it because you, you, your life is structured and you've got a structure in your life. It's, it's like when we moved into the house at Carahorny. We had the garden to sort out, we had the house to decorate and furnish and paint and floors to put down and then we had the pigs and then there was the bees and the polytunnel and the vegetables and all. You had everything in life to do. But then it suddenly stops because Gronje had gone to Saudi, I was there on my own. You become regimented, and, and if you ask Gronje, she'll tell you, I am regimented. I, I, you know, life has to be like this for me, and, and that's it. And if you're not used to it, it's, it's difficult to deal with, not just for yourself, but for some, the person you're living with as well. That's, it's difficult for them. So Philip headed off to England for a new job and to kickstart his life. But as Gronje says in her diary, it didn't work out. He arrived over in England, uh, he basically had problems with the motorhome alternator was broken and it needed to be replaced and then the, the garage said there was a fuel pump leak which is very costly something in the region of £2,000 sterling so he came back so we're sort of not really communicating at the moment really because he's uh, not very happy Saudi restaurant. We're in a people carrier with uh, seven women, and uh, there's the front seat free. And we're not allowed to, as women to sit in the front seat unless you're married to the driver. So uh, I'm taking the role of the the wife, basically in the front seat, and uh, got to cover myself from head to toe because of other drivers uh, passing by look in the window and see me and there's a possibility I could be um, could be reported and uh, we could be stopped and the taxi driver is not really happy about it but there's no room in the back really there's, I think there's three, six, seven, eight of us Although Grania kept recording life in Saudi Arabia throughout 2014 by April, things were getting so difficult at home that most of the things that she was recording on the phone were her own thoughts about her life. Um, I know I'm sounding a little bit down, I suppose, really. I just, I've just had a good cry, I suppose, really, because I'm just so stressed at the moment. Um, my parents have both been ill and they're in hospital and uh, trying to deal with all of that. 
the worry. Just taking one day at a time, really. Not knowing whether I need to go home urgently or is an emergency. But um, it can only get better, at least. But they didn't really get better. Although Grania's parents did rally, her FaceTime calls with Philip were disastrous. Both were moody and argumentative. The continuous FaceTime and, and Skyping and all the rest of it, and you're living your life in these 10-minute windows. I think we'd, we'd argued many times again on Skype or words were said, and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I really can't do it. Um, and it all got too difficult. And sometimes, you, you know... You, you're better off to walk away from it and put your hands up and say, I'm sorry, I failed, I can't, can't do this anymore. Um, and I think that's what I did. I gave up. Grania travelled home to Ireland several times, eating into her holidays and her savings. She wanted to see her parents, but especially to see could she rescue things with Philip. He said he wanted to be in a, in a room of his own in the house and that he couldn't, he couldn't sleep with anybody else. And I just thought that was a big, you know, uh, bugger off sort of thing, really, a big rejection. My back is pretty bad at the best of times. I'm one of these, when I go to bed, I'm such a light sleeper, the slightest disturbance, I'm wide awake. Granny likes to read a book at funny hours of the day. So that wasn't easy. When I came back home, he would be in his room and I would be in my room and we were, it was more like brother and sister and it was, it was all very awkward really. Then the magic kind of left the relationship and then I would be going back to Saudi Arabia to nothing. So I was going from one room on my own to another room on my own, but going from loneliness to being alone. At the time, you think you can deal with it? Well, I thought I could deal with it. Gronia wanted me to go and see a counsellor because she thought I was clinically depressed at some point. I did go and see the doctor, but the doctor said I wasn't, so right, it, it never, never happened. I said, would you not talk to somebody? He said, well, maybe I might think about it, but I don't know if it'll do any good. So he was sort of dampening that. But tell me about the two of you and, and the same marriage counsellor or something like that. I did suggest it, but I just didn't want to bore him with, with, with that either because I just thought that he just wanted to, he was just packing his bags and he just wanted to leave the relationship and this was the way he was doing it. And these were all the signs and signals. So I just thought, well... Even if we'd gone to a counsellor, it would never have worked. It would never have, would never have stuck it out, I don't think. Not now. Right. Um, opening my heart up, I don't think I wanted it to by then towards the end of it. I didn't want it to work. It's uh, been brutally honest. I, I could not see a future with Gronje long term. And that's been desperately honest and I'm sorry for that. But um, I thought I'd be better on my own than to be with Gronje. as much as that hurts to say. been a bit of a, a day of ironies. Um, not a good day, really. Back at work in Saudi Arabia, 
Grania continued to record her audio diaries on her phone. Things have kind of gone to an almighty low uh, between um, Philip and myself. Uh, just, again, just huge communication problems. Uh, he's refusing to speak to me. Uh, he won't discuss things. It's all on emails. It's all very, you know, intermittent and uh, confusing and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I just got to the point where I had to ask a, a solicitor friend of mine to uh, drop him a line to um, just to uh, discuss uh, closure of the house and uh, all our stuff. Um, when the letter arrived... That, that that did make me angry. So he's just decided just to walk away from the whole thing and uh, leave me to set all the furniture and, you know, pay him half the proceeds. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, the easy way out. So, so frustrating after all we've been through. But anyway, uh, I just have to be philosophical about it. But I guess the patients were grateful to me today, funnily enough, with their, in their Arabic. That was nice, getting some positive feedback, getting something, getting some encouraging, encouragement for my work here, really. Uh, it was very well-timed, and I really needed it. I needed to hear something nice, really. He wrote me an email then and uh, said it was over, it was finished and um, wasn't going to be there when I came home in May and, um, you you know, I'll be gone. And I thought, uh, over my dead body, you're not going to do it like that, I said to myself. So I read this email in the library in the hospital and I I went up to my manager and I said, I need to go home and I need to be on that plane tonight. So I was on that plane that night and I got the next door neighbour to collect me and I got into the house. I, I, I arrived home. He was not there. He was out. I knew he was playing golf. And uh, I was sitting in the kitchen when he arrived in the door. And I said, hi. He said, my God. He said, what are you doing here? What's happened? And I said, that email you sent me yesterday is what happened. I said, you can't send emails like that to another human being who has spent five years of their lives with you. And I said, I won't let you do it. I said, you can go. I said, you can discuss it first and consult me about it face to face. And I said, um, we've got a lot of things tied up, including this house, a dog, a camper van. We have an awful lot. I said, you can't walk away from all of that without discussing it first. I said, as adults. What did he say to you when you said that? He said something very peculiar to me. He said, this is all about you just want to get married. He said, I have no intentions of ever getting married. He said, to you or to anybody else, this is what this is all about, isn't it? And that was like like a nail through my heart because, you know, why? Why say that? I said, no. I said, I've never forced you to come here with me. You asked me to come here. I said, I came. I've done everything you wanted to do. I said, I came up from Galway. I came into this house. I didn't want to come to this house, but I made a life with you here. And that was basically the beginning of the end, really. So we were just sort of 
limping along, really, then after that, waiting to go, waiting to go our separate ways. Do you feel guilty about any of it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do feel guilty. I do feel... Um, I let her down. Yeah, I do feel that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, if it's not right, you know, do you do you carry on staying there and living a life of misery, or do you say enough's enough and walk away from it? Um, and for whatever reason, I walked away. Yeah, sorted. At the end of the summer of 2014, Gráinne returns to Ireland. Yeah, I'm taking that, She went to Mayo and cleared out the house. Philip had already gone. Oh yeah, Cara's going to take that down to the Vincent Paul. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. took a beautiful photograph and framed it as a first gift for him for his birthday when I first met him, you know, we were a year into our relationship. So it was, as far as I was concerned, it was a love gift, you know, from, from me to him. And um, so I, I looked around the house. I saw all the other things that I'd given him that he gave left after him. And I said, oh, the photograph, he kept that. So he has a heart after all. So when these... The owners came in, they said, oh, yes, we've got this. Philip gave us this to give to you. And it was the photograph. And I thought, yes, coup de grace, yeah. After they split up, Gráinne and Philip both went to England. She working as an agency nurse in various hospitals around the country. He went to catch up with his family and he had the camper van, which was now his home. Well, we parked behind a lorry tonight, so it won't be too windy, hopefully. No, <laughs> too frightened of committing to a long-term relationship, I think, to be truthful. It was just a thing I had. Just didn't want to get married again. It was too soon after the divorce and everything else. And, and I think that was... That is the one thing I would learn for the future. It's a commitment. He was my best friend. Bannerstrand, near Grania's hometown of Tralee. <laughs> Coming in fast and furious here. <laughs> Walking here is one of her passions. Another is photography. I'm trying to get the, the tree lines, you know, the, the sky, then the sand and the horizon, yeah, and the, the stormy clouds and the stormy weather. Since she came home, both her parents have died within a short time of each other. Philip has gone back to England full-time with the camper van and their dog. He's finally planning to take that trip in the camper to the south of Spain, this time alone. Gráinne is about to move out of nursing and into studying radio production. Colours change constantly. It's just magical, really, yeah. 